the one thing that I want to make sure is that we we are building kind of our own brand inside of inside of the short term rental space, very specific and direct to Winston Salem. And so when when people are scrolling through and looking at listings, I want there to be like a connection point where they're looking at this listing. Oh, well, this looks really nice. And then then they kind of just skim and say, okay, what's the name? And they go to the next and they're they're kind of looking for the visuals of the listings. And then they keep on in this pattern matching where they're, they're like, oh wow, this one is Deacon Stays again. This one's Deacon Stays again. And like, I really like this style, I really like this, the the look of this home. What else do they have out there? Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Sponstanius, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstanius.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. What's up, friends? So over the last few weeks, you've heard me talk a lot about Onores. Onores is the property management software most loved by professional vacation rental managers. So if you're in the market for a better platform or new software to help you grow your business, give Onores a look. Even if you're not in the market, it's always helpful to stay up to date and abreast of what these platforms have, what new offerings they might be uh, spinning up, right? What new features they have. It's always good. These tools change so quickly, and you might be missing out on a feature or or tool that you desperately need to help get your business to the next level. And perhaps Onores has that feature or, or that tool. So go ahead and give them a look. And if you do talk to a team member there, just mention behind the stays. And that way, if you do want to buy something from them at some point, if you want to sign up for Onores, you'll get a special exclusive discount only available to behind the stays listeners. So just mention behind the stays, you'll get 30% off the first three months and let them know that Zach sent you their way. In about 15 minutes from now, you'll hear an exclusive chat that I had with Tyann. Tyann Marsink is an industry leader. You guys have probably seen her on social. She's just incredible. She puts out really, really good content. She's a huge fan of Onores. So don't take my word for it. Take uh, her word for it, who she's been a customer with them for years. So head on over to ownerreservations.com and give Onores a good look. All right, guys, take care. Enjoy this episode. In just a moment, you'll meet Daniel Johnson, founder of Deacon Stays a collection of short-term rentals near Wake Forest University. Daniel has always been interested in real estate and investing. He actually started his journey, as many do, in the Airbnb arbitrage arena back in 2018. He thoroughly enjoyed the experience of hosting and was really impressed by the returns that STRs could generate as compared to other real estate investments, which he knew a thing about because Daniel is also a financial advisor that specializes in working with real estate investors. In this episode, Daniel and I discuss the surprising pros and cons of building a collection of STRs near a college campus, how to build a brand for your STR business on the Airbnb platform, his thoughts on REITs and other more passive investment opportunities in the STR space, and how he'd approach buying right now amidst a more challenging market. All right, friends, without further ado, get ready to meet Daniel. All right, Daniel, we are live. How are you doing today, good sir? 
Great, Zach. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much. I'm really excited about our conversation today. I am too. I uh, we we met on Twitter. Uh, I, I guess I guess I should say X now. It's it's. I'm still trying to like make that transition. Twitter just like flows so much more yeah. naturally. But um, but X is easier to say. So uh, pleasure to, pleasure to yeah. meet you there. Um, I I wanna I wanna get started by just hearing a little bit about the story behind Deacon Stays, which is your STR company. Where where does where does Deacon Stays begin? Yeah, yeah. So actually, um, you know, our experience in short-term rentals actually started a number of years back when we were living in Asheville. Asheville is kind of the up-and-coming place, and we had an extra space that we started renting out, and you know, realized, hey, look, we're we're pretty good at this thing, and and we enjoy doing it, and so we just kind of kept on, uh, you know, growing uh, step by step. A lot of a lot of that work in Asheville. Obviously, Asheville is kind of like that boom town yeah. where. Um, you know, short-term rentals became a popular, popular thing that, you know, made Asheville an affordable place to visit. Hmm. So it grew really fast there. Then our, my, my job, you know, kind of gave us a relocation opportunity to Winston-Salem. So, uh, moved away from Asheville, moved to Winston-Salem. When we got to Winston-Salem, we're like, okay, Hey, you know, the short-term rental thing, we want to continue doing this. I wonder what that looks like here in Winston-Salem. And, you know, there, there were a number of people who had, you know, whether it be one or two bedroom uh, houses and stuff like that. And, and I, and I was like looking around at the city and I was like, you know what, there's downtown. And then there's this pretty well-known college, Wake yeah. Forest University. Yeah. That's just outside of the the main area of the city, probably about 10 minutes outside of downtown in like a more of a residential neighbor area. And I was like, I wonder how it would do up here because, mm. you know, you got ACC football, you've got, you've got um, a decent college campus, you got folks that come and visit the school. So uh, we actually started um, to test out the market. We did a rental arbitrage okay. and this was, you know, this was kind of before the rental arbitrage boom happened. It was an <laughs> unknown thing. Found the owner of a house that um, didn't get students in it for the, the year. So it was going to be vacant, most likely. Um, and so I just approached the owner and said, hey, look, this is what we want to do. We hammered out the deal. They knew they knew what was going on. They knew it was younger, younger investor. And so they're like, OK, cool. Yeah, I've used Airbnb. That's that's cool. We can do it. And um, tested out. And it was a four bedroom, two bath house. OK. You know, large occupancy, big groups can come, football games, graduation, all that kind of stuff. Ended up working, and so uh, from that point, we started we started scaling a little bit from there, adding more units. But that's kind of how it all it all kind of came together and started in the beginning. And and just for uh, the sake of timeline, Daniel, what 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 year is this? Yeah, so we we bought it or we had our first Airbnb in Asheville in 2013. Wow, moved to Winston Salem in about 2017 18 timeline, and so it was about 2018 when we were doing that. Okay, wow. And so at this point, like Airbnb is a thing, short-term rentals are a thing, but like not not like we know them today, you know, five year, five ish right. years later. Um so so that that was definitely early. I, I, I'm curious, the the whole college campus, you know, short-term rentals around around college campus, is it, it, do you know much about this this kind of like strategy or this play now? Like are are other people doing this? Because on the one hand, it seems like a great idea. I, I know like I remember I had a bunch of friends that went to Notre Dame. And, you know, during during football season, everyone, even if you normally lived in your house, would rent out your house during football season because you can make a buttload of money. Right. Um, but but this strategy, 
it seems really interesting. Is it truly like seasonal? Like are are there are there big ups and downs? Like talk to talk to me a little bit about sort of the how the strategy has played out for you guys. Is it is it meeting expectations, exceeding expectations? How how do you sort of think about this as a play? Yeah, yeah. So what I would say is there's definitely seasonality. The interesting thing is that the seasonality is very different than what you'd you'd consider for like a, a beach or a ski uh, kind yeah. of season. Yeah, the season is you have you have spikes during certain periods of time when when uh, college kids are coming to campus and when there's activities on campus and different things like that. What we've done, you know, as as professional hosts, in order to smooth those lines a little bit and to smooth revenue a little bit is we we're we're very very particular about our pricing strategy hmm. um you know where where we when demand spikes we're not afraid to spike our spike our pricing significantly yeah and and so you know we help to smooth those those revenue lines by by absorbing excess demands with a with a premium price and and, and so to your to your question about is this being done in a lot of other places I, I personally haven't seen, yeah. you know, a, a, a concentrated focus around, you know, building a portfolio around a college campus yeah. anywhere else. However, I'm sure that's, that folks are doing it. The The interesting thing about about Wake Forest is, you know, we, we always want to be good neighbors yeah. um, to, to the folks around us. So the interesting thing is that most of the time our neighbors are actually college kids um, <laughs> that are living, you yeah. know, and so... So a lot of times it's the the opposite direction where our our uh, guests are a little bit like, hey, there's a party going on next door, yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's not usually our our guests partying; it's usually the uh, the neighbors partying. The but for those 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 neighbors that we have that live there full time, they actually love us, yeah, because they're like they're like we know that you take good care of the property and you're not um, you're not gonna let parties happen, yeah. So it's it's kind of it's kind of a cool unique thing that um, that we're able to be a, like a pop influence on the neighborhood by by you know adding stability to the neighborhood um in some ways yeah no it, it's a, it's a super interesting strategy and like i'm thinking about right even when when i was at school and having having my parents come and visit right a, lo- a lot of college i went to a big state school a lot of campuses and, and have like you know the the holiday inn uh, or, or a hotel like on campus right or nearby uh but what was challenging about that was that my parents always like my dorm room where, where where I was living was like small. I couldn't really host them, right? And then and then mm-hmm. vice versa. I didn't mm-hmm. really want to like go to like a hotel room and hang out with them in their hotel yeah. room, right? So this this yeah. whole play gets really interesting. If oh wow, I can go and walk from campus to yeah. this Airbnb that my parents are staying at. It's got a kitchen. Mom can make me, you know, the the home cooked meal that I've been missing. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really really interesting strategy. I, for for our listeners, if anyone else is doing this, I'd just love to hear a little bit more about how it's performing and, and how it's working because it does seem it doesn't seem to be something that like brands are built around at least right now. Right, right. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And and you know, um, I I think I think there's a great opportunity to do it. You know the. Some of the demographics I think about are um, how big the college campus is. Um, you know what what kind of what what's the wealth level that you're working with as far as the people who are going to that school? Yeah. When you have you know when you have high incomes, it makes it a lot easier to to shell out a thousand dollars a night for three nights for a 
for a three or four bedroom home yeah. right next to campus. Yep. Whereas if it's if it's a if it's a small state school, it might you might you might have a harder time, yeah. you know, having people able to pay the kind of premium prices that that I need to drive in order to make it successful. Of course, you know, a lot of the 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 nature of the neighborhood around the school sometimes schools are very, very, very urban and you're gonna be like you're gonna be fighting for land and for for property with a lot of other people. Um, but in my situation, it's very, it's very neighborhood suburban feeling around the university. Yeah, no. And another thing that was just, I was thinking about too, is as remote work continues to, uh, be, be a, a thing that lots mm -hmm. of, lots of, I think it's still like 30% of Americans can work at least three or more days, uh, remote a week. Um, and so what, what's crazy about that too, is you're also seeing, I was talking to my, uh, a friend of my parents actually, who they have uh, a, a couple of college aged children. And what they've actually done a few times is like gone and booked a Airbnb for like a week. They're working remotely, but they, and their kids kind of pop in and out. Right. But it, it's almost just like a, Hey, we'll bring home to you guys. You guys are busy. Do you do your thing? Yeah. But if you want to stop by for a couple hours, like feel free to. Right. And it's just, it, yeah. it, it it's an interesting strategy because as 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 the world just gets increasingly flexible you might have people book a random week not during football season right yeah. not during graduation yeah. but in february right um ju just to kind of like why not right um and they, they could book a week hang out with their kid if their kid wants to hang out with them for for a season of time without sort of like again infringing on their territory and or without saying hey you got to come home like come come home i miss you right so it's kind of this like fun yeah. medium way to spend more time with your kids um, and, and book like a little mini, you know, staycation, workcation kind of, kind of get up. So super, super interesting strategy. What, how, how has it performed as an investment so far? Like I, you guys were in Asheville, had some experiences there, totally different market here. Is it exceeding your expectations, meeting your expectations, underperforming? Like, how are we doing with respect to where, where you thought you'd be at this juncture? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I would say we did the arbitrage, you know, um, on that house and, and it, it, it met my criteria for, for an investment, you know, yeah. when, with the one year lease that we had on the property, we, we met or exceeded the problem we ran into is that it was an old house and we couldn't improve it the way that we wanted to. Right. Yeah. Um, it just by the nature of the, the, the lease. So what we then did is we said, okay, this strategy worked for a larger home. And we went in and we, you know, like a, like a lot of good investors do, they, they find a property that has, um, that has the opportunity to, to perform well, you're going to need to invest capital. And so we went in, did some nice renovations to the properties, brought them up to the standards that we would have for any place that we're going to stay and, and started, started turning over. And so, uh, so I'd say we, we have, we have far exceeded our expectations, our numbers, of course, we had the tailwind uh, coming out of the pandemic. A lot of people traveling. I think, just as everyone has has benefited from that, I think we we benefited from it plus some. Yeah. You know, we it, it's certainly outperformed our our own expectations on that end of things. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. That's that's really interesting to hear. So, Tyann, you own and operate twenty vacation rentals under two different brands in Missouri. Yes. Yes, I do. And you're the queen of guest experience at Touchday, which is the leading digital guest guidebook technology worldwide. Yes, I sure am. And you're trusted by thousands of other short-term mental hosts across the world who listen to your podcast, follow you on social media, 
and attend your presentations at industry events. Is this correct? It is, and I am honored to be trusted in the industry, yes. So chances are, Tyann, that you you know a thing or two about the different property management software providers in the space. I do, and I love meeting the teams everywhere, um, and I, I know a lot about them, and I'm also very curious and ask questions to learn more because the space is always changing. Yeah, yeah, so I, I am so glad to hear that, and the reason I wanted to have this quick chat with you is because I know that you use Onores for your property management software, and I want to hear a little bit about why you chose Onores and, and why you love Onores over you know the many other options that are available on the market. So we know there's lots of options, but I had to narrow it down to what my top priorities are. So the first one is I've got to have the communications prowess. I am all about communications. I think that is a key factor to reviews and therefore to better revenue serve. And okay. Did you see that again? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Ask me the last question again. Yeah. So there are so many great options in the space, but I want to know why you chose and, and ultimately why you love Onores over over some of the others. Can you could you give us just a couple of reasons why? Yeah, so I look at all the softwares and they all have really great capabilities, but I needed to narrow it down to what I value the most and what software matched up to that. So the first one is the communications prowess. I am all about communications. It is highly important to me and it has a great effect upon my reviews and therefore my revenue. The second one is excellent customer service. And I have this little trick that I do when I'm searching for, for software is that I'll send a customer service request in and see how fast they respond, how well they respond, and if I understand their response as well, because I've got to be able to understand when there's a problem. And then the third one is comprehensive capabilities. It has to be powerful to do what I need it to do. And I'm gonna add a fourth one. I need constancy and dependability because I'm running some businesses here and I've got a lot of things going on. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? No one has time for software that doesn't work in the way that you expect it to. Diane, who do you think Onores is the best fit for? Like what kind of host or, or property manager do you think align best with the core product offering at Onores? So a lot of folks immediately think how many properties they have, and then they start narrowing it down to what softwares they should look at. But instead, I wanted you to think a little bit differently. Look at what you value. So OwnerRes is really excellent for host and property managers who value a software that does what it says it does. Hmm. They don't overpromise, under deliver. They under promise and over deliver is what they really do. Um, OwnerRes is also a product that listens to their users and is nimble to adjust on the key needs of its users. So we're throwing out all kinds of things we want and they're really good at focusing to the key needs and doing what their users are wanting. Um, and lastly, it is for users who want and need a powerful engine to run their hospitality business. I love it. And so you were using another PMS before OwnerRes. Was OwnerRes the first PMS you used? Uh, how, how hard was it to either move from your old PMS or, or get set up with OwnerRes? So I'm one of those people who's been in this industry a long time. And the first decade was pen and paper and little pocket calendar books. <laughs> and then after 
after my very first double booking, uh, one and only because that is something we all go through at some point or the other, uh, I started searching for some software. I used one. Um, I wasn't too thrilled with the because it was not communications friendly. It was hmm. not dependable. It didn't work. Uh, so I went searching again, and that's when I found Res. That was five years ago. So I've been with them quite a while. And then at that time, it was a simple export import exercise with a spreadsheet. And the most difficult part was the actual the core setup of my account. Hmm. Um, definitely a learning curve to it. But that said, it's also a very logical setup that if you take it step by step, you can finish it. Just keep in mind that it's not this super flashy, simple thing because the system is so powerful. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I think that that's a really honest review. And from everything I've seen of the actual product, it does seem incredibly logical. For, for our listeners, we've partnered with Onarez to give new customers a 30% discount on their first three months. So when you talk to the team there, just mention behind the stays. If you just go through the checkout process, you can use the discount code BTS30 to get 30% off. But again, you can also just talk to a team member there, say that you heard about them on behind the stays and they will honor this discount. Tyan, any final words of encouragement as to why listeners should go and, and give Onarez a, a closer look? Owner Res is a solid product. It's built by host and property managers themselves, and they understand our needs, working diligently to solve them with continuous updates to the software. I mean, I seriously could not run both my brands with 20 properties and growing with a very small human team, while also giving my time to the industry as a whole as Touchday's queen of guest experience and sharing my knowledge at conferences and events worldwide without Owner Res. Well, folks, don't take it from me. Take it from one of the industry's most influential voices and just go and give Onarez a closer look. Even if you're not in the market right now, you might be in the market later, just go check them out. And you know, if and when you are ready to sign up, be sure to mention behind the stays or use the discount code BTS30 at checkout to get 30% off of your first three months. Tayan, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for your time. All right, thanks, Zach. When I was looking at your your listings, um, specifically on, on Airbnb, I, I, I noticed that like Deacon Stays was like a part of the, the listing name. And mm -hmm. then you had the individual property was, was branded as well, which actually made it very easy for me to go and then find your direct booking site. And yeah. I, I, I have a lot of people on this podcast, some who are, you know, they, they swear by direct bookings, 80% of their, of their revenue comes from direct bookings. Whereas, you know, other people who are exclusive to, to Airbnb and don't understand why so many people spend so much time talking about direct booking strategies. So I'd love your thoughts on this, given yeah. you, you've been very intentional, it appears, with how you've crafted your listing name for Airbnb. Uh, what are your thoughts on direct booking strategy? How many of your, your, of your bookings on average are coming direct? Uh, open platform to say whatever you will about, yeah. about this as a method of growth. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so this is this is a long tail kind of play for me. This is I don't expect results, you know, in the next uh, two months, three months. I, I think that this is a two to three year, um, you know, really kind of planting the flag and then growing around it. So, so one of the one of the issues that I have with our with our types of housing is the the dynamic pricing part of it. I, I spoke to it earlier, you know, really big spikes. I mean, we we will rent for a hundred dollars a night a four bedroom house and we'll rent for fifteen hundred dollars a night uh you know a four bedroom house yeah. depending on what's happening. Yeah. The, the the big the big issue, the big kind of systematic risk to my business is what happens 
with the cancellation policies that exist on the booking platforms. Mm. Because in general, we're we're booking 18 months out for graduation. Yeah. And and if the strict the strict cancellation policy for Airbnb is going to say you get 50% of your of of it back if you cancel, you know, within X number of days. So you're you're talking about a big swing if somebody decides two weeks before graduation to cancel the reservation, I'm going to lose a ton of revenue. So when I looked at the business, I said, I need to protect those demand spikes and, and protect revenue. That's why I, I you know, really built a direct booking to, to, to direct folks, whether directly or indirectly. And obviously there's, you know, um, working, working on an air on, on a platform, you have to be careful about how people find you and, and, and how you, you know, you're, you're kind of um, helping them and encouraging them to find your, your direct pages. But, but I, I've not had any problems with folks finding my direct pages for those, those big dynamic event yeah. seasons. Yeah. The great thing is I have a, a non-refundable cancellation policy on that end of things, you know, encourage travel insurance and, and say, hey, look, I'll try to rebook if, if there is a cancellation. So that's been the strategy for that. However, in the, in the long run, I think, you know, having my, my webpage, having the SEO growing and, and, and people having gathering awareness around, Hey, look, this person's probably a professional operator. I might be able to find somewhere else and, and get a slightly better price or, you know, just a better experience going directly to them. Yeah, no. And, what I specifically want to call out that I think you've done really well, which is a struggle for many is, hey, how do you how do you optimize the listing for the platform, right, for Airbnb, mm-hmm. while also giving hints, even if they're subtle, that, hey, there might be a there might be a way to save a, you know, 10% or whatever it might be for, for folks yeah. that, that end up booking direct. And I think you you've been able to strike that balance really well. Uh, can, can you talk a little bit about that at all? Like you've got like the name, your brand name, then you've got like the listing name, but then you also have some descriptors, right? That might be a little bit more common mm-hmm. as folks are quickly right. kind of skimming through the Airbnb like results pages. So how much time did it take you to like craft your, your listings? Like what, any sort of like pro tips you learned along the way, if your goal, right, is to, again, rank well on Airbnb for a particular search, but mm-hmm. also help make it a little bit easier for folks to to go and Google, right? Literally copy yeah. and paste the listing name into Google and then find your direct booking site, which is what I did. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think it's a two, uh, you know, a twofold kind of situation because, the one thing that I want to make sure is that we we are building kind of our own brand inside of inside of the short term rental space, yeah. very specific and direct to Winston Salem. And so when when people are scrolling through and looking at listings, I want there to be like a connection point where they're looking at this listing. Oh, well, this looks really nice. And then then they kind of just skim and say, okay, what's the name? And they go to the next and they're they're kind of looking for the visuals mm. of the listings. And then they keep on in this pattern matching where they're, they're like, oh wow, this one is Deacon Stays again. This one's Deacon Stays again. Yeah. And like, I really like this style. I really like this, the the look of this home. What else do they have out there? Because and then and then you get those repeat guests, you get those people who trust your quality and the brand. Yeah. And so whenever it's just XYZ random listing and you have, a uh, you know, 40 different random listings wherever, you don't get that continuity, that, you know, that experience for the guest. Yeah. Whereas I have guests who jump from property to property and they they know that they're going to get that consistent experience with our with our homes. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that that's a brilliant uh, strategy. And 
again, the way I'll, you know, link to a couple of your listings in the show notes, just so folks can kind of see how you, how you architected the the title. Cause I think it's, you know, one of the best I've, I've ever seen where you're able to squeeze in the brand name, <laughs> the individual name of the unit, and then like a couple of like adjectives to describe the place. Yeah. Right. And being able to yeah. do all of that is really, really tough, which is why I think a lot of people, they end up just optimizing with you know or, ad- yeah. adjectives or amenities or whatever because like they they don't want to put their brand name because their brand name they're like well no one cares about you know zach's cabins like they yeah. or, or deacon stays right they, they just want a cabin with a hot tub right with mountain right. views or something like that and and yet for people like you who are professional operators who are trying to build this brand and not be antagonistic towards the otas but give people the option to first and foremost, recognize that, hey, you're you're a professional manager. They're going to get a great experience if they stay with you. And then second, right. help them again along their journey of, hey, if you're smart enough, you might copy and paste this and maybe you could save yourself a, a little something, something. Um, and, and I think that, the, again, the way that you've done it is is just great. So I would encourage folks to kind of look at your listing as like a, a, a possible template and figure out how how to sort of like make that work in in their context. So that's, I mean, that's probably a pro tip. If you're, if you're, if you're wanting to build a brand, you know, number of characters is a really important thing inside of your listings. So you might want to skew to the side of a smaller number of characters, however yeah. you're building it and, and abbreviations or something like that. But then being able to link that to back to something else, like, you know, if it's Austin, Texas, ATX yep. stays or something like that, you know, just condense it and make it make it small so that you can fit a lot of other descriptors in your titles as well. Where does the name Deacon Stays come from? I was like, I mean, Wake Wake Forest is the Demon Deacons. Okay. Um, so that's their their mascot. And so, you know, trying trying to trying to stay away from IP protections, but just saying, you know, Deacon is a is a fairly common thing around Winston Salem yeah. just from from the, the the college and the mascot and that sort of thing. So Beautiful. So you get like some like regional rec- recognition yeah. and regional branding kind of built in. Do you? Wh- one of the questions that I get asked a lot from listeners is if you've developed a more regional collection of homes and then you decide to go and, and expand and, and do something else. Like when it comes to branding, that can be difficult, right? Like Deacon Stays might work yeah. in Winston Salem. It might not work in Asheville. It might not work in you know Maine or California. Should you want to go there one day, right? Mm-hmm. So. How do you think about that? And are you worried about that at all? No, I mean, honestly, like I, the way that I look at it is I think, I think regional brands can, can work really great. Hmm. And, yeah. and I don't think there's any reason that you should, you should, you know, expect that you're going to be Hilton, the Hilton brand where you have Hilton hotels all over the country. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not expecting that I have Deacon stays homes all over the country. I'd say, you know, if I go to Chapel Hill, it's going to be Tar Heel or Heel Heel yeah, Stays or something. You know, something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. So, so developing essentially like yeah. micro brands um, that that are regionally relevant, which is which is right. really cool. I love that. I, I think that that's a that's a really 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 smart play. I I want to talk a little bit about some of the the other work that you do. So I know that you're a financial advisor and you you work uh, closely. You kind of specialize with working with real estate investors. I'd love your thoughts. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot in the media right now about you know Airbnb bust is the Airbnb dream over right like these like very like sexy clickbaity like headlines. Yeah. There've been lots of talks on on Twitter and LinkedIn. You know there was like a viral tweet a couple months ago with where a lot of the data that was shared in that tweet was proven to be quite inaccurate right. And so from your perspective as somebody who works with real estate investors, 
how do you think about the current state of the market? Like, how do you think about the current state of interest rates? Like, where, where, if at all, are you investing and are encouraging your your clientele to to consider investing in? Yeah. So here, the, the thing is, there's always going to be opportunities. You know, no no matter no no matter what the um, the economic environment looks like, there there's always uh, opportunities to uh, to really be able to utilize, um, you know, the knowledge that you have about a market. Um, and, and this is where kind of hyper-local markets can be really, really beneficial. It's the same, same, same thing if you look at like Open Door and, and some of the, you know, FinTech uh, house buying platforms. The problem, one of the problems that they, they had was they were not local boots on the ground. They didn't understand the neighborhoods. They didn't understand you know, that there was, you know, a barking dog next door and the reason that a house was not selling. And so if you are, if you are, if you're a small operator and you're just looking to, to add units, I would say you just keep hunting, keep looking for, you know, do that pattern matching stuff. Yeah. Watch your neighborhood, watch your area and find opportunities where people don't realize that there is, there's a gap in the market. There's a hole in the market that you can fill um, with a product that's going to be there, whether it be long-term rentals, short-term rental, mid-term rentals, um, store self-storage, whatever. There's there's always going to be opportunities in the market. So keep your eyes open. Does does the current uh, financing environment make it harder? Yes, it does. However, what I what I'm telling folks is, if you find a good deal, you can find a property that pencils at eight percent. In you know, however long, I, I'm I, I'm not I'm not going to be a somebody who's prognostic that rates are going to drop super quickly. Yeah. Um. I think I think we can stay higher and higher for longer. However, rates will eventually um come down at some point in time. It might be five years from now, it might be fifteen years from now. Yeah. If they if it pencils today, it will pencil then. So I you know owning and buying real estate long term is a is a wealth building strategy that it I think you know. Uh, if, if you're an investor that wants to, to be in this business, just don't step, don't get too, too overly ambitious and optimistic about the market. Be, be a little bit cynical and, and make sure that you can kind of, um, you can weather any storms that may come up, underwrite your properties really well, and then wait for an opportunity to refinance, uh, to bring down those, uh, those financing costs. Hey guys, it's Zach. If you're enjoying this episode, could you do me two very quick favors? First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a five-star rating? And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. I think what's what's interesting about what what you're saying 
it reminds me of a conversation I recently had with Ben Wolf, who is doing some real cool things at Onera, um, which is uh, in Fredericksburg, Texas, right outside of Austin. And one of the things Ben says is like, it was really hard. He'd go to investors and, he, and Onera is like a collection of like really, really unique Airbnbs. Like like one of a kind is like his goal, right? Um, and these these units are incredibly expensive. Like they're, I think his average ADR is like 600, 700 bucks a night. Sometimes it goes up to 1800 bucks a night for like a one bedroom, you know, stay, but it's like a, it's like a stay mm -hmm. that's, architecturally designed like a, a monarch butterfly right like these are just it's crazy experiences right anyways what ben was saying is like he'd go to investors he'd say hey this is what we're going to charge um and you know they, they'd freak out right it's like that that's just who's going to pay that like that's ridiculous and his whole point with onera has been like look you know our our costs are high right but our our revenue is really high and look at look at our profit like our profits doing very well like it's it's above what we would have expected at this juncture right and so there's this tendency i think to fear the cost like as the co oh my gosh right. it co it's going to cost that much to do x or oh my gosh interest rates are this but but again to your point it if at the end of the day it can cash flow or or it pencils in a way that hey you know, you're you're not going to be breaking the champagne out every single night, but but it does make sense, right? Like you can, mm -hmm. you know, you you can have a a, a nice red, right? Um, and right. And, I, and I think that to to your point, which is really really good, it's important that folks really take the time if if they are interested in in uh, investing right now, to do 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 the homework, do the diligence, but like don't immediately just because of headlines you see in the media, write off the fact that it's a right. crappy time to. To invest because that's not necessarily true so I, I loved i loved that point and i think it's just a good encouragement to folks that if it pencils now it's probably going to pencil in 15 yeah. years from now um right. so good 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 encouragement there i i do have a couple other questions just around your your own like portfolio growth right so mm -hmm. sometimes i talk with folks who they just want to grow at all costs right they're they, they want to get to more more is always better more the more units the better then i talked to other folks who they've got two stays like two like really like unique places and they're like i think i'm good right uh, yeah. where, where where do you fall and as as somebody who is a, a real estate investor uh kind of by trade more so than many of our listeners are um how do you how do you think about growth if at all yeah so it's interesting because I, you know, I'm 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 sitting here as as a financial advisor, financial planner, and you know I I give advice to other people about their own finances, that sort of thing, uh, about the amount of risk they're taking, about it, about all these different things, and and I have to kind of take my own medicine sometimes and look at look at what I'm doing and saying, you know, am I taking too much risk? Am I am I you know pushing my myself too far out? Um, and so. Where we've gotten, we we just done a kind of a slow climb. So we have four distinct units um, right around the Wake Forest um, area. That's what makes up Deacon Stays. It's yep. not it's not a huge portfolio. Um, we also we also have uh, a couple of midterm rental properties. Um, two two of those that we we do for you know kind of you know nurse nurse housing and and, and that sort of stuff. And okay. then we have. I have some partners in Asheville. We own we own a handful of properties there. We're actually in the process of selling one just because, you know, it's it's one of those things that we've owned it for about five years. So, you know, it's a constant process of of looking at your portfolio, pruning away and harvesting where when when the time is right to do hmm. so. 
Um, but then, but then being ready to replant and to, to, to kind of buy more and to, you know, to, to, to kind of reinvest again when the time is right. So um, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a let things, you know, kind of set out. We've done a lot of renovations on properties over the last three years. And, you know, we're just kind of in a let's let things cash flow for a little bit and and kind of see where we go. We're not we don't have dreams of of expanding a brand uh, to 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 many, many, many different cities or anything like that. So if people are are interested in kind of taking our day and taking it, yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's a great a great niche to kind of work in. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a really cool. A, a really cool like model for folks who again you said something earlier which i thought was really profound you said look like if you know your market and you know which house has the dog barking next door like that intel is really really hard for a larger portfolio who's trying to scale very quickly to to be able to to, to first and foremost like find let alone like to respond to accordingly and I think there is this temptation and maybe it's just this like idyllic dream of like, well, I want a place in San Diego and a place in, you know, uh, the, the Catskills. And then I want a place mm-hmm. by the be or whatever, you know, it might be. Whereas if your true goal is like, hey, I want to build really great, cool experiences for folks. Mm-hmm. I want to be in the hospitality space. And I really just want to build a portfolio of real estate that's going to cash flow well and help me, you know, have really cool options if and when I decide to retire. Or maybe I want to do this full time, right? Like maybe that's right. my goal. And right, right now I, I can't do that full time. But and, and being able to achieve those goals in many, many cases can happen in, in your regional market if you just play your cards right, rather than feeling like you have to go across yeah. the country. And I think a good example of this is, you know, I've got uh, some some podcast friends. Thanks for visiting, Sarah and Annette. They have a, a big podcast in the space. And, you know, they've, them and many of their, of their friends and, and followers, they've like really drilled down in like different markets in Ohio, right? Like Hocking Hills, Ohio, I think is a perfect testament to this. A lot of, there's a lot of really cool builds happening there, really cool spaces happening there. And you'd think who, who, who would want to go and like vacation in Ohio, right? And yet like, then there are these like really cool developments that are happening there. And so all that is to say is that you can make great things happen in your regional local market. You don't need to go and get into a market where it's really difficult to compete in just because it, it seems sexier on paper. Yeah. And I mean, with, with short-term rentals, it's, it's about being a good operator too, Hmm. you know, and, and, and uh, there's, there's obviously been a lot of companies who've tried to scale and they've fallen flat on, on the operation side. It's an operations business. So, so being local, buying local and knowing your market and taking really good care of your guests, um, you're, you're going to, you're going to be able to, to do really good things um as an investor if you if you focus on that now that's not that strategy is not for everyone but for folks that just want you know one two three homes over yeah. 30 years yeah. can change your financial trajectory so that's that's what i encourage people to think about um to begin with at least yeah no very very sound advice last minute cancellations suck and that's why we built ping Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. 
In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. I did want to pick your brain. We're seeing um, these hospitality brands like like Wander, right, uh, spin up these REITs. And I just wanted your thoughts on, as somebody who's, again, been in the space for a while, you are a financial advisor to many real estate investors. Like, what do you what do you think of REITs, and and specifically, what do you think of REITs that are kind of being uh, launched in in like the STR space? Yeah. So I think you know there's there's different audiences for different um, for different products. I, I guess you would say, and so you know for for those that are actively doing their own investing and. Um, many times owning your own properties is going to be the most efficient way to, to allocate capital. You know, you're probably going to receive the, the highest return on your investment. However, for busy, busy professionals, people that are out there and like, Hey, I can, I can maybe do like one or two, but I can't, I can't put together a portfolio of five, six, seven properties. Yeah. Cause I just have other things that I've got to dedicate time to. I, I do think that, you know, it's, it's still an emerging space. Yeah. You know, this is, um, you know, there's there's been there's been folks that have been in the space for 10 years and they've been saying for the last 10 years, we're early, we're early, we're early. And I would say <laughs> we're still early. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very disconnected market. So um in the in the long run, having that platform, building the platform and then building out the properties and having that organic flow, you know, I think I think I think there's there's great. Um, there's great reason to think that that business can be successful if if run well for the for the long term and and you could potentially see that spinning further up and continuing to grow and you know uh, and, and being launched in even something bigger. Um, so so I, I'm, I'm bullish on on that you know kind of the crowdfunded or yeah. the you know the the debt you know investor specific space, especially as as long as it's a good operator that's doing the right things. Yeah. I mean, in many ways, it it feels like obviously it's it's different, but it feels akin to, you know, the the um, uh, the big movement towards like timeshares, right? Like as mm -hmm. people as people are also sort of like wrapping up like membership as part of like a re like not only are you an yeah. investor, but you also get X nights for free or a significant discount anytime you stay at a Wander, for example, right? Right. And so it it'll be really interesting to see how this gets positioned to younger investors, right? Who's, you know, maybe grant, like my parents' generation, like I don't, I don't know many of them that had timeshares, but my grandparents' generation, not my not my grandparents, but many of their friends I knew, like yeah. we would go and we'd I'd stay at my buddy's grandma's timeshare, you know, or whatever. And mm -hmm. like, that was a mm -hmm. big thing. And and I'm, I have no idea what the, that market looks like right now. I'm sure it's still big, but like it, it it's, it's definitely not as popular, at least with like with my peers, whereas something like right. this could be. Um, so it, it is just it's a it's a really interesting move and it'll be cool to see how this um, how this plays out. I I do just want to give you some time, Daniel, to talk a little bit about other other just hot takes or predictions or things that you're keeping your eye on with respect to the future of hospitality and travel. Yeah, uh, well, what I I love um, I love kind of watching what's happening on the OTAs and, and the platforms and what they're doing. Obviously, for most of us, that's you know they've opened up the worlds 
to 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 short-term rentals. Short-term rentals have been around for a long time. Haven't always been called that. They've been called vacation homes, beach homes, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, but the OTAs are are still a massively significant force. And so if you look at what's happened, you know, it's a platform just like Amazon is a platform. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the evolution of Amazon and how they've they've kind of captured um, eyeballs and or clicks, I, I think something similar is going to continue to evolve and happen in the in the OTA space. Um, and, and, and I think it's and, and I don't know if it's a hot take, but I think it's going to be something similar to, hey, look, you know, everyone gets listed and whoever's got the best product with the best reviews floats to the top, right? And and it's kind of the algorithm driven. Yeah. Then it's going to be, hey, look, now we're going to have advertisements. Yeah. And if you yeah. want to pay for placement, you can pay for placement. Mm-hmm. What's that going to do? That's going <laughs> to make it need to be a more sophisticated, deeper pocket individual. Um, and then over time, you know, Amazon started competing directly with their, their resellers. And yeah. so I, I would not be surprised to eventually see Airbnb doing so in a more direct way. So, so I think platforms provide massive opportunity, um, but also massive risk to investors over time that it's going to be harder and harder to compete as professionals with deeper pockets continue to come into the space. Um, so that's kind of my, my hot take. Yeah. I don't know if it's super hot, but, uh, no, no, I, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's very insightful. Um, and it's, it's equally like scary and also like, you know what? I, I believe that this will happen. It, like it, it's, it's quite believable. Uh, even, even if it, if it, if it seems a little far off in, in this present moment, I, I do think too, right. We're also seeing, you were talking about Amazon and like, the, the prolific rise that they've had right and then you also see sort of like shopify right come about and like their whole like tagline being like arm the rebels right and yeah, help yeah. The, helping the local kind of mom and pop e-commerce store or the the you know teenager who's building some cool product from like their bedroom be able to like sell and, and deliver product right uh and, and so i also think too just generally generationally i'm even seeing my my peers and and friends want to go and like stay when they go and travel in like a boutique hotel right like mm-hmm. it, it was mm-hmm. like bigger the the hiltons and the marriotts and whatnot like feel very much like their dad using his you know points for business travel <laughs> to like book a room and again these folks still stay at these hotels but but there's it's way cooler and it looks prettier on instagram when you show off photos from a boutique hotel so in the in the same way as we get like bigger and as i think more as as the industry professionalizes i also think it's equally important to get excited and be aware that there's definitely going to be a demographic of travelers many of whom have uh disposable income that are going to want to go and search for the the more boutique bespoke curated experience which is likely to be delivered by a smaller operator or or a smaller mm-hmm. brand, so it'll just be really. It's it's just a fun time to kind of see how all these dynamics play out. Well, and that's that's why the you know the direct booking channel. Like I don't expect it to deliver anything you know massive in the short run, but over time, as you establish and you you know and, and you're 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 being sought out, that's that's going to make um, that pathway that transition from the competition on the OTAs um to to be able to to do it um off off platform uh, a lot a lot more appealing as well yeah have that boutique experience yeah yeah it'll be really really cool to see how how all this shakes out i i have one final question for you daniel and that's just around opportunities that you see right and you talked a little bit about some of the ways that you encourage your 
your clients, right, to to uh, figure out, hey, if the if the numbers work today, if they pencil great today, they'll they'll at eight percent, they'll probably pencil well at uh, fifteen years from now. In a similar vein, when you think about just like markets, specifically as it pertains to STRs, are there are there like places that you see more opportunity than than other places? Are there markets that you think are are emerging and worth paying attention to? Or how do you think about sort of investing from from a market standpoint right now? Yeah. Um, I you know, I think I think there's there's opportunities everywhere. You know, that's 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 my uh my take on it. Now it's is it is it hard for a scaling company that wants to buy ten units in every in every city? You know, every year fifteen units. It, you know, it's is it going to be hard to scale? Yes, um, because because you have you have kind of the um, the squeeze against you. You have interest rates yeah. that are moving up, and you have um, you're going to have to deliver that that product that is just so much better than the market to make those numbers really work. However, if you are a local investor. I say, look at the demand needs, understand what your market is doing. Understand, is it a hospital? Is it a college? Is it a, you know, a corporate, you know, huge corporation that is headquarters there? What is driving, what's the economic engine of your market or the market that you want to invest in? Yeah. Understand what that is and focus what you're, what you're building around the needs of those people that are coming to your city yeah. or to the city that you want to invest in. So I think I think that's where the opportunity still exists. Can you go buy cabins in Gatlinburg for 300,000 anymore? No. Yeah. Um but you know, I think there still are opportunities in different cities, different markets, secondary tertiary markets that most people would just kind of like, you know, skip over. I think can still be great great places that, you know, have a lot of demand and opportunity. Yeah. One of the not to steal uh this playbook uh, from from uh, Ben Wolf, who I've referenced earlier, but to to he, he said something another thing that was really interesting. He said their Onera's plan again. Their their higher end like super like unique stays. What they're specifically doing is going after markets where like there aren't four or five star hotels, right? So like mm-hmm. his, his whole model is like, hey, let's find a place where like there's you know good disposable income. There's a lot of like you know wealth in uh within an hour and a half of 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 a destination. But where there aren't four or five star hotels, so that when these people do inevitably want to travel to Fredericksburg, you know, Texas, which is like this in the Texas Hill Country, there's like you know a whole wine country uh, around there as well. He's like, if the people that are that want to come to these places that have money, like their options are like the roadside in like motel, right? Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. they'll stay there if they ha- if, if there's no other option. But they would they would happily pay you know three, four, five times as much to stay somewhere else. So it, yeah. it is just really interesting to your point how there are opportunities ever where understand kind of like what are the core economic drivers in the market that you're considering investing in. Uh, and then at the end of the day, right, like trust your gut. <laughs> you yeah. you, you kind of just have to go with your gut. So, um, but uh, Daniel, this is a really, oh, sorry, my mic cut out there for a second. This is a really great conversation. Um, I want to give folks the opportunity to connect with you and just follow up, ask any questions they might have. Um, and or just learn a little bit more about Deacon Stays. What's what's the best way for them to to get in touch if they just like to chat or you know run an idea by you or follow up on something that you said? Yeah, so I mean, I'm on I'm on Twitter fairly active. My uh, I'm or X, yeah, whatever. It's uh, <laughs> DC Johnson I I I. So I'm the third. I've got an I I I. Um, you can also find find my website DeaconStays.com. 
Um, and then the, my financial planning website is uh, refocusfp.com. So refocus financial planning. So. And I'll go ahead and um, link all those in the show notes below. If you want to connect with Daniel, it'll be easy for you to do so. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Daniel, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure having you here. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate it. Hey friends, hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's cheap flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're going to roll with it. Subscribe. Um, And thanks in advance. All right, everyone. See you next time.